0: Hello. Before we get started with the show, I wanted to talk to you about uh, something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is sleep. I travel a great deal. I travel all around the world. I just got back from Kiev, crossing the Moldovan border. And the thing I always look forward to is getting back to my uh, king-size bed with my Pillow mattress topper installed on the top. Now, I like a firm mattress because uh, I have back problems from uh, a long time ago uh, playing sports in high school. I love my firm mattress with the My Pillow mattress topper on top. You get the firmness, but also it's like sleeping on a firm cloud. I really can't explain it, but it is the most comfortable sleep I have ever experienced in my life, and I can't wait to get back to it every time I travel. If you go to My Pillow right now with promo code CDM, you can get a 50% discount on the mattress toppers uh mike lindell is giving out amazing discounts right now uh, get them while they last use promo code cdm at mypillow.com and get the my pillow mattress topper the best sleep you will ever experience thank you very much now on to our guest
1: so in continuing our uh, global conversations today again we're going to focus on the, the world health organization what goes on behind closed doors today we have mary holland who's the uh, president and general and chief, uh, chief counsel, Mary. What, what whatever, she, whatever, 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 whatever. She's, she's the chief counsel for um, Children's Health Defense and U.A. Elschner, who's with the Children's Health Defense in Europe. Welcome, guys.
2: Thank you. Good to be Thank here.
1: You. So let's let's discuss uh, what went on behind closed doors at the WHO and in, in, uh, this week. I mean, it's. Uh, that, you know some people think that it's over that we haven't given up the sovereignty of the countries to uh Dr Tedros but in fact we um we have more to come we have a meeting June 16th and 17th more meetings in August so people shouldn't slow down That's st- the sovereignty of the countries are still on the pl- on the table um Mary let's start with you what are your thoughts about this
2: sure so as um We actually held a press conference yesterday, both in person and remotely. Um, People in Geneva, after the World Health Assembly ended its its meeting that was the 75th anniversary of um, the World Health Organization. And that was specifically focused on amendments to international health regulations that commenced in 2005 and have some very important dimensions, including the declaration by the World Health Organization of Public Health Emergencies of International Concern. The U.S. had um, made proposed amendments in December. And interestingly, they made 13 proposals, which were pretty draconian and basically would have taken out any kind of Um, state party uh, override over the WHO. They would have given really unfettered powers to declare pandemics. And to investigate in pandemics and to penalize countries that didn't participate in the pandemic response, they were they were extraordinary amendments. Interestingly, twelve of these thirteen were pulled back. The one thing that went through was to um, shorten the time period from eighteen months to twelve months for countries to respond to these amendments. If they don't respond, they will have been automatically opted in. But this is only half of what's really going on, Christine, the other half is the World Health Organization, Dr. Tedros, has said they want by August 2024 to enter into a new binding international agreement. And they make clear they haven't quite figured out what this is. Is this the constitution of the WHO? Is this a treaty? Is this some other instrument? Um, But through that, Christine, there's no question that the people at the World Health Organization, the people at the World Economic Forum, those people want to see the World Health Organization become the fulcrum for a global health, one health policy. So this is definitely not over. What you mentioned in June is that there will be another kind of global town hall uh, Mm -hmm. for people to talk about what they want to see in a pandemic treaty, never asking the threshold question, you know, do you want a pandemic global treaty? So anyway, that's sort of in a nutshell, I think where we are, but I'll be eager to hear what Uwe Alshner has to say as well.
1: Uwe, what what do you have to say?
3: Well, yes, it, it's exactly this kind of Trojan horse um, or a boiled frog slowly uh, approach. so where they they set up um, a, a goal which is uh, on itself quite uh, worthy for discussion and even for consideration to uh, to do everything to protect health. But uh, the means by which this is achieved, of course, is something which takes away sovereignty, which takes away the ability to decide their own matters. Um, from member states from the people really so it it is a uh, and that has been pointed out by the lawyers who were on the press conference mary just mentioned um it it takes away um it 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 widens the distance between the voter and and those who take the decisions on an executive level up to a, a point where where no one can can reach them and no one can hold them accountable
1: you know it's interesting is last sunday when the who general assembly opened up they made it really clear where they want to go and beyond this treaty their focus they have said this their focus is to get 100% of all healthcare workers worldwide vaccinated 100% of all those who are 60 years of age and older vaccinated worldwide 100% of uh, those who have underlining conditions. I mean, th- this this is a full throttle. Everybody has to get vaccinated. They're gonna dictate when you're gonna get vaccinated. They're not, they're going to identify, you know, what is a pandemic, an epidemic. And it, this one world order, this, uh, the most that I've read about it, it, it and correct me if I'm wrong, um, it's a, it's about basically the animals, the plants, the humans interfacing together on planet. I mean, it, you know, it, it sounds wonderful, but, but but the truth of the matter is, when you throw in surveillance, it's not really, you know, it doesn't sound like it's a safari by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's it's it, it's it's a, it's a real focus on controlling everybody. How do people in Europe feel about that, Yuri?
3: Well, I mean, um, it is a very, it's it's a growing proportion of the population who is really becoming aware of something really, really problematic going on. Uh, However, some parts of the population uh, still um, do uh, not see anything uh, untrustworthy in what comes from the WHO, because it has been over the years and decades, it has been built up to this shiny um um object of of reverence really which which is you know has a has a high purpose and uh, no one can say anything against that so therefore They've completely um, lost any any suspicion that this might be subject to subversion and subverted it has become because of, you know, the influence of private interest, vested interest has grown ex- exponentially within this organization due to first uh, withdrawal of finance, proper finance for uh, the work. Which uh, which should have been done, um, uh, it was not uh, funded um, uh, accordingly, uh, and then uh, co- corporations have stepped in or NGOs have stepped in to to really pour out um, loads of money, and most of that is is tied to very very um, a, a tightly defined um, purposes, such as for example vaccination programs, where it's just. Um, uh, purported that this is something good in itself and, and uh, there's nothing problematic about it. Of course, we know that that's not the case because over the years, um, the industries behind this have a track record, a proven track record of very, very poor, um, you know, um, uh, service uh, to the public and and uh, caring very much more about their own profit and, and bottom line so so this is something which people have yet to wake up to in the majority although the minority which is already um uh, aware of this is is as i said is growing uh, here in europe so uh, people are rallying and people are demanding um uh, to to stop this and to have a proper debate one thing is um uh, uh, i think is very uh, interesting and and also telling. Um, The WHO, the Director General, keeps stressing um, the the value of peace um, and and the importance of peace uh, for all of us. He did so in his opening speech. He did so in his closing remarks. But when you look at it, peace, I mean, uh, peace in a society. So I'm not talking about now between states, but peace in a society is something which rests upon uh, mutual respect and 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 uh, listening, uh, listening, uh, deep listening, and 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 you know debate, and this is something which is completely shut down by the WHO, most of uh, uh, most of all, uh, on which other institutions then rely to say what what people who are questioning uh, things, which is their their good, uh, God-given right um then be be termed um you know misinformationist or whatever and this is really problematic because those um who are saying they are in favor and want to preserve peace and and want to um strengthen peace they are in effect um um, eroding this peace they're pitting societies against another and and in in this confusion they're trying to create they are hoping to get their totalitarian um, ideas of one world a new world order through
1: mary uh as a lawyer you know when you take a look at this you know the whole notion of conflict of interest uh i mean it seems so murky because you have so much money going in there from from people like bill gates you have the corporations that are behind the the pharmas some people who have testified you know in april when i listened to some of these testimonies they, you know, some, some of them are living in la la land, actually, um, you know, some of these little NGOs. And then there's other ones who say that, you know, this totalitarian, but they did bring up the conflicts of interest uh-huh. here. Explain that to, so people yeah. understand.
2: So I think what we see at the WHO is the same phenomenon, certainly, that we see in the United States, is that these agencies that should be representing the people, the Food and Drug Administration, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the National Institutes of Health, Mm -hmm. over time, they have been captured, right? They've been captured by their industry, and that happens in the U.S. as well through the CDC Foundation, the FDA Foundation, the NIH Foundation, and the industries that work that are regulated or that are invested in by those institutions, they actually finance those institutions. So for instance, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., our chair of Children's Health Advice, he recently came out with a story that a reporter had gotten information on through FOIA. You know, $350 million has gone back to scientists at the National Institutes of Health, right? Mm -hmm. So the National Institutes of Health puts out billions of dollars for research contracts, but then money comes back to the scientists. And it's not, like token money, three hundred, you know, three hundred fifty million dollars. So you know they function like kickbacks, Christine, and it's the same phenomenon at the World Health Organization. So there's a there's a documentary I recommend to people called Trust Who? Trust WHO? And you can find it on the internet. And you see there um, the former Director General of the World Health Organization, Margaret Chan, saying. We don't have money, right? We have to go to the private sector. Well, needless to say, if you go to Big Tobacco, they're not gonna want you to find problems with tobacco. If you go to Big Pharma, they're not really gonna want you to find problems with their drugs, right? And so Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, GAVI, the Global Alliance for Vaccination and Immunization, CEPI, the Emergency Preparedness Initiative, that's all Gates money, Christine, and it's all absolutely intertwined with Big Pharma and a vaccine paradigm. And it is very troubling that Tedros, I listened to the opening speech, he said, globally, they want 70% of the global population to have these COVID shots. These COVID Mm -hmm. shots today, Christine, it is clear that there is excess deaths and deaths directly from the vaccines. these vaccines are not working. They're not safe and effective. They are killing people. I mean, that is what the data shows now. So the notion that the World Health Organization, the, the organization that botched the COVID response, that is still lying to us every day about what these shots are doing, the notion that they should be in charge should just really, you know, just, just, shock everybody in the world. It should be, and of course, everything that's on offer here, Christine, is completely anti-democratic. It's this notion that these countries are gonna give up their sovereignty to some, as as Uwe points out, completely unaccountable international institution. I mean, it's a completely anti-democratic and one could really say treasonous uh, kind of paradigm for any country. Countries are supposed to represent their populists. That's not what's happening
1: here I, I was struck by the fact that uh, you know people seem to forget that there is a history here and it's not a pretty history of dr. Tedros um, oh my when he was when he was head of the global Fund to fight AIDS tuberculosis and malaria when he was the Minister of Health uh, in Ethiopia there's a political background that's that's pretty oh. dark as well so I mean, you know, when, when people are thinking, well, you know, maybe, maybe because this was such a disaster in the last two years, not only should they not hand it over to WHO, but they have to take a look at the character because this is going to be run by people who are going to make decisions. And it's not just the we're not just talking COVID now. The the one world. I mean, if, if there's if there's a drought someplace, then they can decide what to do. And the policy. What is it? That it I mean, why aren't more people? aware of this or why why do you think the people just they they haven't they haven't latched on to, you know just locked on to this because to me this is a huge story is the the european press even playing any attention to this
3: no not yet really i mean it's 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 slowly it's picking up because it is so really blatant it's in your face um uh, that something is really wrong, and so uh, we're going we're we starting to see uh, some coverage but the reasons why people are, are unaware and even journalists in this way i mean journalists really they're failing their 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 profession and uh, that's one thing but the the population who is relying on on good reporting and you know we talked about the trusted news initi- initiative last week um mm-hmm. but um we we also need to take into account, at least for us in, in in Europe, the WHO really was something we 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 looked to with with reverence. I mean Albert Schweitzer and and all those great humanistic um, and 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 uh, compassionate people uh, have been working on behalf of institutions such as the WHO, and this has this has helped to build up something. A reputation which is basically almost i mean it's it's uh, uh it's it's trouble um for for any uh, criticism and and whoever questions things has to really um stand um uh, uh, his ground or her ground uh, because it is such a uh, such a high um uh, loaded um, uh, positively loaded um, institution and that's why i think they've chosen this i mean um, the, we, we've had um, various attempts to, to take control uh, for corporate um, power and, and stuff, and the last thing was um, the, the free trade uh, agreements, and, and they have come under huge scrutiny because people were suspicious of this. And, mm-hmm. and I think, frankly, they have, they have uh, taken—they've learned the lessons, and that's why they've switched to something which is so um, unassailable as you know going. Um, uh, for people's health, which is why would, you, why would you object to that? You must be, of course, you must be someone who has bad intentions if you're questioning those um, philanthropic... I mean, even the terminology has been so loaded and so framed, which makes it really hard for people um, to, um, to really get to the fact um, that it, it may be just a form of really evil um, deception.
1: That's interesting because I mean the the UN you know for years, pardon me I've you know covered human trafficking, but even the UN had had um, some of their the military at the UN were involved with with sex trafficking years okay. ago. I mean there was there was corruption you know in the Balkans um, back in the 1990s, but at the same time. And there was the food for sex uh, that was in, in in Africa. I mean, these these institutions on the outside. If you if you if you don't live in that world, if you're not connected to the sort of the international scene, in these with these institutions, a lot of times. People do not see that there are scandals that there, and and large scandals and large, you know, gobs of money uh, involved with some of these things. So what is it? What do you think it's going to take, Mary, for people to wake up and to understand that this this is this is huge in, in terms of I mean, it's arrogant, you know, yes. f- for people well, to think that, they, think that it's OK to turn over yeah. the decisions and the welfare of countries to these people.
2: So- You you know, Children's Health Defense. um, So there's been a terrific uh, declaration that our friends at um, Health Freedom Defense Fund put together, a world freedom declaration. 500 groups around the uh, the world have signed on to that. At the press conference yesterday, there were people from Asia, people from Europe, people from the U.S. Um, I think that's very important. We at Children's Health Defense in the U.S., ask people to sign up on an action alert that goes to the president, the vice president, your senators, your congressperson, and your state representatives. We think it's really important to raise awareness about this issue. But as Uwe said, this is kind of like the the frog boiling slowly, right? There's nothing immediate that's going to happen to people. It's sort of these discussions. It's these negotiations. It's in Geneva. It's a long way away. Nobody really Mm. understands it. And nothing would really, really happen, Christine, until after this would be enacted. And at that point, it could be dire, right? I mean, truly dire. Like they send in, you know, Bill Gates is in his book, The Next Pandemic. He has this germ team, which is the idea that's part of this World Health Organization idea. 3,000 scientists, they send in the SWAT team. And if your country isn't on board, well, tough luck. We'll just take away your World Health Bank, you know, your World Bank loans. Um, You know, there is there's going to be a compliance committee. And remember, there is no accountability here that is baked into this proposal for the World Health Organization. None. And we know from trying to sue the FDA, sue the CDC, sue the NIH, it's not in a national context or in the European Union context, but trying to actually, you know, hold accountable civil servants in Geneva and Switzerland that has the highest, you know, bar of any place in the world to accountability for these actors. I mean, it's impossible. I mean, that's the reality, Christine. So it is- incumbent on us as a civil society organization to wake people up now. And the hashtag is Stop the Treaty. And I think it's important to say, Christine, I think it's easy to peg us as, oh, we're xenophobes, far right, extremists, you know, nationalists. That is just idiotic, right? We put together a global panel yesterday to talk about. This This is not about nationalism. This is about, I personally think global cooperation is absolutely vital. It's incredibly important. I think we need a new and improved kind of global cooperation around health, but it has to be based on consent, consent of the individual, consent of the nation. It can't be based on coercion. And the model that the World Health Organization has put forward for us is a model based on coercion, and it's coercion of experimental drugs. That violates Nuremberg. This is so fundamental that people understand that this is coercive and that this is true truly human rights abuse. You can't compel people to take experimental products. We'll stop. So
1: where, where, where do you think uh, UA, that this is going to, I mean, do you think it's going to resonate, you know, across Europe? Do you think there's going to be one country that's going to take the lead on it? I mean, do you think that people are going to, I mean, are people responding to this in Brussels at the EU
3: at all? Well, I mean, the EU is another one of those Trojan horses, really, because Look, I'm I'm German. Um, I've grown up, um, born twenty years after the war, but it was absolutely clear for us that there was some form of responsibility which our country um, bears. Uh, so, therefore, the idea of Europe coming together, European united, was something very appealing to me. I've qualified as a as a civil servant with the European Commission. Uh, mm-hmm. Except now, I, I I really have to come to realize that this is something which is equally um uh, destined to take away power from the people um because uh, the european uh, institutions are completely aloof they are not um no one can hold them to account even the european parliament which carries the name of a parliament and yes they do have some rights which also other parliaments proper parliaments have but they aren't a proper parliament because they lack um the the overall power of parliament to to um, to really control government, to, to um, uh, hold them to account, to, um, to, to pass legislation. This is this is solely the, the prerogative of the European Commission to, um, to suggest those legislations and, and the parliament can then comment on it. So this is a, r- really a privilege granted to them, um, but it's not a, a, a proper democratic institution. So therefore, we, we should not expect too much from, uh, from, from the European institutions because they are completely... Um, but uh, I'm I'm, I'm afraid I have to say starting from the president of the commission I mean she also is German um, we have a situation where she has again been caught in deleting or well not providing information about um, you know private talks with vested interest holders in this case the the, uh, the chief and ceo of, of pfizer so there's been discussion and uh, communications between Ms. von der leyen and and mr buller and and this is completely um you know it's 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 not presented to the public it's not open to scrutiny and she's done the same as defense secretary in germany already and she has uh, deleted her, her 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 communication which is resembling to to something which happened in the states i believe so therefore this is this is really uh, not at all um, um, heartening and it's not um, giving trust. No, we have to really um, take it from, from the peoples. We have to in- educate um, the, the public, which is something which our um, president and founder, Robert F. Kennedy, keeps saying, we have to educate, we have to um, advocate, we have to litigate uh, where it is possible. This is also something which is difficult as we heard yesterday in the press conference, but it is something which altogether will um, uh, uh, will prevail. I, I strongly believe this, and people are waking up. What we got to do is we got to de- we got to remain decent. We got to uh, stick to the facts. Um, so our credibility is something which, of course, they try to undermine. But uh, people are are not buying it, and and more and more people are even uh, seeing that what we uh, and others. Um, uh, so generally, the the. the community which has been questioning have been saying for years now is is more and more coming uh, to turn out true and and this is this is um, then building up momentum which we need we don't have much time to lose so therefore we should concentrate on it but we shouldn't uh, wait for for any country to come to our rescue or so it's something we need to uh, identify our own responsibility and and as citizens we have taken maybe taken too much um, consolation into you know leave it for, leave it to the politicians. They will take care of it. No, it's us who have to really um, get uh, involved in, in the matters. We've got to read the papers ourselves, not trust on any news initiative to uh, to lay out the uh, the you know the uh, the text for us. It is really? it is easy to look into it ourselves and then speak to our peers, speak to our neighbors. This is something it is local where where you have the trust. Uh, and from then you can delegate um, um, uh, uh, power and you can come to global cooperation, but it is going to be local and interests have to be defined locally and then taken up uh, into deliberations with other people who also have got their interests. And then eventually you will, you will come to some sort of agreement.
1: I think this is a great campaign issue for I don't care what country in the world. I mean, for any, for any if you get presidential, prime minister and parliament elections i think this is a wonderful campaign issue that should be front and center where at wherever anybody is mary do you think that this is too hard for americans to understand
2: no i think americans understand corruption christine and i think we just have to make it very clear this is about corruption this is about democracy i think americans do get that it's like Mm -hmm. if there's this super entity how in the world could this country protect our rights it can't it absolutely can't and i think people will get that but um as ube said you know it's a race against time this is very serious and I agree with you, Christine. I think this is a campaign issue. And I do think this has been very politicized, which is very sad. These from my perspective, these are not partisan issues. These are fundamental issues. These are issues of human rights, these are issues of democracy. And if we as a global community really believe in human rights and democracy, which we say we do, and this is in the UN Charter, by the way, that's World Health Organization is part of the UN Charter, then it is our job. And, and you know, self-determination, that's right on you know, in the charter as well. If we believe in those concepts, we have to fight for them at this point.
1: I thought, I thought it was uh, interesting when I've listened to these tapes of the testimonies back in April. Um, nobody talked about sanitation. Nobody talked about water. One person did talk about the fact that there are three billion people who don't have cold storage, which which would be a hurdle for anybody who's taking a vaccination because you have to store the vaccine the vaccinations in, in you know in a refrigerator. And I thought to myself, th- th- this is this is you know when you, when you have people like Gabby or Representative CEPI, who are getting up there and saying, oh, this is a wonderful idea. But if you're, li- if you're the public and you're listening to this, you may not know that Seppi and Gabby are Gates money. You know, right, I mean, not that's not that, not that, not that not it's the point. connection of the dots. And yeah, who yeah. are these people, you know, and yeah. people it's like when people say that, you know, well, Tedros is a doctor. No, he's not. He's got no, a PhD in public health. OK, he, he, he's not, a you know, he's not he's not no, a doctor. When
2: he was he was associated with a terrorist organization in Ethiopia. I mean, that's just public information. And, the, you know, the evidence suggests that he basically deep sixed. you know, he hid cholera epidemics in his country to the detriment of. Of his citizens. The African delegations at the World Health Organization opposed his candidacy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we really do have to look back at this history. So, so I
1: thought it was interesting that uh, of the 47 countries that were supporting the American resolution, not one African country stepped forward. I thought that, you know, I thought that was very interesting. And Mexico was not on that list. Brazil was not on that list. Um, but she did have, you know, Australia, Canada, UK, right, uh, America. But, it, it, you know, I, I wonder, you, do you think that the, the Africans know that they're being targeted?
2: <laughs> After four African leaders died under very strange circumstances when they objected to COVID? I think so, Christine. <laughs> I think so especially the president of Tanzania you know these stories are horrific christine right the president of Tanzania you know sort of made fun of the pcr test testing it on like a goat and a and a papaya and they came back positive well he died of a heart attack shortly thereafter and his pre- his uh, successor came in and announced you know, every potential COVID measure. Now, the interesting thing that I've learned from people who've been in Tanzania is that nothing really, people just didn't, they wouldn't go for it. They just would not participate. And so in point of fact, my understanding, and it's not firsthand understanding, but is that people are not following the COVID measures in Tanzania. But yeah, Africa understands that it absolutely is targeted. And uh, people have paid a a mortal price. Also the president of Burundi. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is very serious stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, and it was it was interesting that this week when you had the General Assembly at the WHO, you also had down the street at Davos. You you had the the world
2: the timing was quite interesting. The, t- the
1: timing was interesting. Yeah, interesting. I mean it's it's tell us you uh, about Schwab. How is he read in in Europe? I mean, do do people because I because I've been to Davos a couple times, you know, and and it's it's a strange group. I mean, it's it's an it's a uh, it's a group that that uh, looks at the world very differently than I think most people do.
3: So, so there's two sides to this. As I said, my background is political. So when I worked in politics, my boss asked me of ways to to think of ways of how to get into Davos, how to mm-hmm. get an invitation. So mm-hmm. politicians really covered this institution because it is full of money. It <laughs> is full of you know. Uh, ability to really you know get photo ops and everything so that is something very problematic and they're using it okay they're using it because Mm -hmm. they are they are they are uh, they are bringing people into the light who then take it and can use it for their for their um, purposes now my 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 boss was a very decent man uh, so Mm -hmm. therefore i'm sure he was unaware of what was going on but the population so the the public is really i mean mr schwab has an image of an eccentric of an extreme eccentric you can tell it by the way he dresses and everything not even by the way he speaks i mean this is he's german so he has got a very very um hard accent um and, and no one should should uh blame him for that but it is something which you know fits into a way of perception some other people have mentioned him to be the you know um uh, he would he wouldn't be uh, cast for a, for a, a, a villain in a James Bond movie because he was so over the top um, uh, I, i'm not i'm not commenting this i'm just um uh, uh, reporting this uh, but mr schwab is uh, that's something he is from a he's from a family which has very um, um concerning ties to uh the german fascist regime so mm-hmm. Uh, his father worked for a um, supplier of uh, of arms um, to to the German military. Um, and, and that is something which uh, also many people are concerned about, given the fact that what uh, the what Economic Forum is putting out today in terms of transhumanist agenda and stuff. So this is really something which I think just needs um, severe scrutiny. We need to look into this and we need to check it. And uh, I don't think people have... Uh, have understood um, that there there may be stuff which really uh, is not okay. I have never met Mr. Schrapp personally, so therefore I can speak to that uh, in in, in this way. But uh, all I'm saying is, yes, we need to look into this. We need to hold them uh, um, to account uh, to explain what they mean by by stuff. Look, when when we were in school and and we were taught lessons about uh, uh, the rise of Hitler, we were taught that the people back then in the 20s and 30s they should have known better because it was all written out in 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 the book uh, Mein Kampf. Um, okay, so if you then today, I would say it's all written out there. If you read his books, uh, if you read the books of the World Economic Forum, it's deeply concerning stuff in there. Um, it's not uh, nothing which uh, has anything to do with with, with a, um, a healthy understanding of nature. It's it's a one size fits all um, agenda, I, I believe, and this is also something which is deeply in conflict with diversity, which is also something which makes us human um, and which uh, which uh, contributes to the great achievements which mankind has achieved. So this is this is uh, rooted in diversity and, and not in a one size fits all. Approach and if one size fits all goes together with control and this this seems to be the, the case here we really got uh, got to be um, um, uh, stepping on the brake and and, and 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 consider for a moment what we are doing here.
1: It is it is astounding. <clears throat> Pardon me when people are talking about freedom and then at the same time what they're really talking about is control. It's it's you know it, it's a flip side. It, it's it's almost as if everything that you thought was one way is now turned upside down, and they're redefining.
2: Well, I think famous. Orwell and Huxley really nailed this for us, Christine. I think both those books are incredibly relevant. I mean, this is doublespeak, right? Everything that they say is actually kind of the reverse. It's not freedom, it's control. It's not diversity. It's one size fits all. It's, you have to really sort of look at the real message behind the words because the verbiage is beautiful. You know, climate change, humanity, one health, uh, diversity, inclusion. You know, it all sounds fantastic. Surveillance. Sounds Surveillance. Fantastic.
1: The, 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 of course, the, you know, the, they, they'll just say, you know, they want to they want to do some tracking of the disease, but it's called
2: surveillance. Right. You know, straight. Right. I mean, they're not telling you, oh, you know, if you don't comply with us, we'll, you know, lock you down. We'll take away your money. We'll take away your food. I mean, one of the dimensions of this whole, you know, the whole paradigm is that food becomes intellectual property, right? That everything is kind of genetically modified, that the protein sources are no longer going to be animals. The protein sources are going to be, you know, uh, fabricated food. This is a big agenda where there would be a lot of levers of control. If if, if this were to go the course that that these sort of billionaire clique want it to go, you know, they would have literally pretty total control over people's lives, life and death.
3: And and if I may, um, I, I think this is where the present crisis in Ukraine um, does does come in, um, in, in a way. I, I just happened to to watch uh, Oliver Stone's documentary Ukraine on Fire before coming on uh, your show, Christine, and um, I was really I, I myself had not really remembered at all uh, of the of the very very um, you know peculiar um, circumstances surrounding this conflict building up now. But if you consider that Ukraine is uh, how do they say the, the, the bread um, um, bread is, is, basket, is a... basket
1: bread basket
3: yeah bread basket of 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 the world or at least yeah. of Europe, um, then when you also see that that um, it has long been tried to get this artificial food um, uh, palatable to to people. Right, of of course. course, you can you can begin to question: uh, Is there something behind this, where we are destroying our natural resources uh, to grow healthy food, um, and ending up with with uh, uh, someone who comes along saving us with uh, you know? Um artificial and scientific, we um, created uh, not scientifically um as artificial and, and uh, synthetically created uh, uh, foodstuffs, uh, which no one really knows right. what's in there uh, and and what they're doing to to our um, intricate uh, um, uh, metabolism see people
1: don't people don't remember what the food was like before before Monsanto put the GMOs and before they bought up all the seeds before. You know, when, when strawberries looked like strawberries in, in, instead of peaches in terms of size. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's it's almost like the world before the Internet would seem to be a little bit. Well, I can't say it's healthier, but it's it, it certainly is different than all this synthetic stuff. But it, yes, you're right in terms of taking a deeper dive in, in terms of Ukraine and what's behind it. Um, do you guys think that, that, that
2: we're going to get out of this? Yes, I mean we're we're committed to that premise, Christine. You know, yes, we're fighting because we really do believe that this can be turned around. But it is going to take a lot of work. Uh, it, this is really serious. I mean, in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever, and I've worked on a lot of different public policy issues. I mean, this one is this one. This is it. This is it. I mean, you know, they are really looking at control of seven and a half billion people directly through surveillance and through passports and through food supply and through disease control. They are looking at direct control of each and every individual on the planet it's a shocking sort of enterprise and i don't believe that you know the majority of people on the planet want that and i don't think they'll tolerate it but i do think that we have to stop this before all of these mechanisms of control lock into place right there are all of these sort of interlocking financial health you know surveillance tech food Uh, plans that are all happening simultaneously and one of our jobs as a community is to help people see how these interlock just like what Uwe was saying is like there is a way in which the war that's going on that's a tragedy in Europe right now it, it does seem to fit in the broader context and so we have to look at those what what are the things that are the common threads here and help people to realize what's at stake there are people who really want a one world government now and part of that is you know 2030 they tell us you will own nothing but you will be happy well why would you be happy owning nothing well only if basically you thought otherwise you were gonna die if you thought the choice was between death and owning nothing i think i'd choose owning nothing but but literally in what other realm would anybody be happy owning nothing I mean, think of what that means. That means you have no wherewithal. You don't have resources. You are completely at the mercy of some, you know, government.
1: You know, what comes to mind is, is, and I think everybody should watch this because it's no longer a fantasy, The Hunger Games, the movie. The yeah, I, I watched, <laughs> the, I
2: think Hunger Games are excellent. I think yes, they really I are. Think- Very, I I put off watching that for many years, but then I actually heard people talk about the Hunger Games economy and I thought, you know, I have to watch this. And I think it's, it's a very apt, uh, allegory for where we are. And
1: it's, and it's pretty scary. So, so let me ask you, Mary, you know, tell us about the film that's coming up because I I want people to watch it.
2: That would be great. Thank you for asking that, Christine. So, um, We had a filmmaker go to Africa to investigate how the World Health Organization and USAID had invested in and apparently distributed infertility causing vaccines, HCG vaccines in the guise of tetanus shots. So this is human... Chorionic, chorio,ga,da,na,t,ga, <laughs> <It's not>, but,
0: <laughs> but it's basically
2: okay. a vaccine that's just that was disguised as, as protecting babies from tetanus, and it was offered in five shots to women of childbearing age, and so this footage came back, and our friend and Dr. Andrew Wakefield uh, decided to use this footage to make a film, and so the film will come out on in just less than two weeks. Uh, on Friday, June 10, it's called Infertility, A Diabolical Agenda. I think it's a fantastic film, Christine, that really will help people to understand that yes, the World Health Organization has done good things. And the concept behind the World Health Organization is a good concept. The idea of global cooperation around health challenges, I am completely behind that. But this video shows us That the World Health Organization has been behind a criminal, criminal agenda, which is depriving women of childbearing age of their ability to bear children without giving those women informed consent they gave this to women under complete, under a fraud. They told them that this was a tetanus shot. This wasn't a tetanus shot. This was a shot to make them permanently, or at least for many years, infertile and and to make them lose pregnancies. That's despicable. I mean, that's absolutely criminal. And, and interestingly, from my perspective, under the 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 Rome Statute, the the, the Rome Statute that created the International Criminal Court forced sterilization is a war crime. In my view, that was criminal. And the evidence in this film strongly suggests that there's no question that the World Health Organization was pushing this with collaboration from people in Kenya where this film was shot. And, you know, sadly, sadly, Christine, I think we see the world over and we see it in history. There are always people who are willing to be bought. There are always people who will take the short run sort of privilege of a little bit of extra money and do the wrong thing. And um, so that's what we see, I think, in this microcosm in Kenya, but what we see on the larger scale with people at the WHO and people in the NIH and so on.
1: We do. we do see this. I mean, years ago in the late 1990s, I was involved with the ethics program uh, at the World Bank. And I remember <clears throat> 25 people from different places around the world. And just the definition of fraud was different. Yeah. Was different because of the cultural nuances and also the practices.
3: You, so, you, you can say something. Yeah. Regarding the, the African <laughs> and Kenyan situation in particular. Um, one of the voices who has been very outspoken, outspoken about this is no longer with us, and that's Dr. Stephen Karanja. Oh, yes. uh, I happened to uh, do the the last interview with Dr. Karanja, um early early last year um, um, because his organization, the Catholic Doctor, the Kenyan Catholic Doctors Association, had put up um, uh, a communication um, calling uh, for. Um, for early treatment uh, models to be uh, legalized and to be uh, made f- freely available, which we know they aren't. So uh, I asked, reached out to him, Dr. Karanja and, and asked him for an interview, which he gladly consented to, together with his colleague, Dr. Ngare, uh, also from Kenya. Um, and in this interview, which is still out there, uh, it was also taken up um, uh, uh, in, in, uh, in the US, I believe, Uh, Dr. Karanja, in particular, was very, very outspoken about this um, practice uh, of of forced sterilization with tetanus shots, with forced tetanus shots. And he named names, and and some of the names uh, we've also heard in in this talk between us. So he named also um, and melinda Gates um, for for their involvement in this. Again, this is something which I heard and which I'm reporting. Uh, I I have... uh, um, but been very, very um, sadly um, uh, you know, um, touched by, shortly afterwards, Dr. Karanja um, coming down uh, with, uh, uh, with COVID, it, it was said, and dying afterwards, after he had been really outspoken in this interview. So this is one of um, yet another uh, very strange circumstances, very strange coincidence, coincidences uh, which we have seen over the past years. Um, where people who are who are daring to speak out um, suddenly then uh, have have some mishap happening to themselves, and and, and in many cases even dying.
2: Yeah, so yes. Dr. Karanja is a main um, contributor in this film. There's there's very strong footage of him. It's it's a very very compelling film, and it covers the fact that he died under you know, very, very peculiar circumstances shortly after he had been so outspoken on these issues. And he's very clear to people, this isn't just about Africa. This is about they're coming for you, he's saying. You know, this is Mm -hmm. what they've done in Africa, they're going to do to you. So it's a very, very, uh, very riveting film. Okay, guys, on that note, we've
1: got to go. But I just want to say thank you again. And hopefully this will continue. The show's going to continue because this issue is not... uh, pardon me,
0: is not over. It is not over. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Christine.